When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the PHNX Coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five star review. We have a very special episode for you today. We had the chance to speak with Dave King and Barry Smith, two former Coyotes coaches who have also coached in the KHL and with everything going on over in Russia and the Ukraine, we thought would be a great opportunity to talk to them and get their perspective on what's going on. So without further ado, let's introduce Dave King. All right. Uh, we are happy to welcome in somebody that PD and I have known for a long time. Uh, Dave King has nearly two decades of NHL experience as a coach and executive with the Flames, Canadians, Blue Jackets, and of course the Coyotes. He also has more than two decades of international experience including two seasons as the coach of, boy, I'm going to let you pronounce these names, Dave, because you're better at Russian than I am. Yaroslav Lokomotiv, of course, I know, but why don't you go ahead and pronounce the name of the other team? <laughs> Mag- uh, Magnitogorsk. Magnitogorsk. Is the other team. Yep. Yeah. Coach both of those teams. Uh, and of course, uh, as you and I have talked about in the past, you you assume duties in Yaroslavl. Shortly after the the tragic plane crash that killed the whole team, you coached Ilya Labushkin there. But the reason we have Dave in today um, to talk about maybe the impact of the Russian conflict in Ukraine right now and how it might be impacting the KHL, its players, foreign players, and even Russian players in the NHL. So, Dave, first of all, thanks for taking the time to join us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be on and. Uh... Yeah, it's a very timely uh, conversation to have because there are some things going on in the Continental Hockey League that uh, will certainly change things. All right, David, let's start with this. Um, we, we talked about this uh, uh, a couple days ago. The ruble, on, I believe it was on Wednesday, dropped to a record low of less than one cent per American dollar. It's lost 30% of its value against the dollar since the start of the year. What right. sort of impact will that have on KHL teams players, more specifically foreign players, hoping to get paid? Well, talking about the players, yeah, the foreign players, for sure, their salaries have just declined 30%. And uh, when that happens, players are never happy with that circumstance. And uh, there are players right now that are leaving their teams. And the playoffs are just started. The playoffs started on March the 1st, um, just after the Olympics were over. So some of the KHL teams have lost their import players because they 
were concerned about getting out, uh, concerned about the value of their contracts dropping a third. And so the league is losing some players right now. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not a free fall, but there's certainly some situations where uh, teams had great seasons and now going into the playoffs, they've lost support players, which really are the difference makers. So um, it's affected the league quite a bit. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see where this all goes. Time will cause it to get worse. And uh, Dave, when when you were over uh, with the KHL, were there financial concerns? Were when you were there were, about were you worried about getting paid? Were there players at that time, depending on your organization or your city, has it always kind of been a, a minor concern on how and when to get paid? Yeah, there's Steve. There's always a few teams that are late occasionally with their payments, and they're the bottom dwelling teams in the league that. Uh, have run into some financial concerns, but everybody gets paid eventually their money. Um, Foreign players get their contracts looked after at some point, but there have been in the past a few teams, but that's very few. The league, uh, I would say 90% of the league is very stable. Uh, They're well-run hockey organizations. Um, The one interesting thing is a lot of them, they all depend on gate receipts, much like we do in North America. However, a lot of their funding comes through the oligarchs uh, it's private funding. And uh, with this, with all these uh, sanctions going on, that is going to be interesting to see the financing for these teams down the road. Mm. What you mentioned some players possibly leaving the league because, um, you know, they're not going to get their full contract. But what about the players that are going to stay? And we mentioned the ruble decreasing. So how will that impact maybe day to day life for either the players and, or the teams, um, just their day to day living? It's going to affect them. I mean, as I said earlier, too, it's a with time and these sanctions, you know, starting to work. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to the average citizen trying to buy groceries, trying to get some things that they could get before. Because for for a long time, uh, the Russian uh, teams had uh, all kinds of uh, or the Russian citizens had all kinds of ways to access Uh, you know, uh, North American products, all those kind of things, the grocery stores are full. As this thing unravels and these sanctions and embargoes take place, it's going to make the daily life for everybody a little bit less comfortable. And that's the whole point of the, uh, of the whole thing. We have to make things difficult for people at the grassroots level because they're the ones that will get annoyed and how much they'll voice their opinion. I don't know, but uh, certainly it makes, uh, it does make a difference. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of average Russian people need to be able to live um, reasonably well. And uh, with these embargoes and sanctions, that's going to all change. So that's going to be a really interesting thing to see in time, uh, what the average citizen says about Putin and his his cronies. Yeah, and I'm also curious, you know, Dave, we, we talked a little bit about this already, obviously, but you're talking about banks closing, ATMs not being available. This impacts the players as well when they're trying to live their daily lives, buy groceries, simple things like that. How much of an annoyance can that be? You, you've been there. You've been on the ground uh, living day to day. How much of an annoyance can that be for the actual players there? Oh, it's going to be an annoyance. I mean, their price of gas for their BMWs and Mercedes are going to go up, you know, and then the players live a good life. They live a good life in Russia. A Russian player gets way above uh, anybody else in the country. So uh, the athletes in all sports are going to go through um, a very interesting time. They're going to have to be under some restraints themselves personally, and they're going to have to look after their uh, their income. They're going to have to try to um, 
draw the strings a little bit somewhere in terms of spending. And uh, they aren't going to get a chance to go on the holidays that they had hoped they were going to get on and things like that. So it's going to make life much more difficult in time. Kinger, when you were over there, and I, and I got, kind of get back to, to giving us an idea of what it was like. We talk about the day-to-day, and I know your day-to-day is you go to the rink, you work, you teach, you coach. Um, was your daily life in in Russia a lot different than it was coaching here in North America? Like, were there a lot of, you know, major differences that you could tell people about between there and here? Uh, not, not so many differences, Steve. Like I was lucky to coach in my first go around was in Magnitogorsk and that was in 2006. And that was before a lot of North American, uh, entities permeated that far deep into Russia. So it was a different type of city. It was quite Spartan. When I went to Lokomotiv, which is close to Moscow, it's, it's a city that, for example, we had Starbucks, we had McDonald's, Burger King, wow. Pizza Hut, all those things. So really in many ways, I'd grab my Starbucks and go to the, to the rink. And just like I did in North America and uh, the arenas are f- phenomenal. And, uh, you know, the support staff uh, and your expertise, uh, Steve, computer and video in systems uh, got those. So it, it was much like coaching in North America. Um, I would say the biggest difference was uh, the players asked very few questions and whatever you said they did. And you were rarely ever challenged on anything. The Russians are very obedient and that goes right back to their uh, hockey systems in the 50s and 60s and 70s where the coach is the boss. You mean they do that in North American hockey, Kinger? They question you? <laughs> well, but, you can't, you know, players have good ideas. You know, the coach can learn too. Yeah. If, you, if you listen a little bit, players do open your mind a little yeah. bit. But And I think it's good to be a coach in North America where you do get challenged a little bit. Over there, there's no challenge to the players. They do what you ask them to do. It's, it's the way it is. So the KHL, it's not just in Russia. They have teams in Finland, Latvia, China, Belarus, Kazakhstan. And we've already seen um, Riga withdraw from the KHL and Helsinki pull out of the KHL playoffs. So what if those teams don't return? Like, what does this mean for the future of the KHL? Well, Latvia, Riga has already said they're not coming back. Uh, and obviously they're worried about uh, being annexed, just like uh, what is happening in the Ukraine. So, uh, you know, the Latvian team uh, will not be back in the league. Um, I don't know. Jokerit, I think uh, there's a lot of strong rumors that Jokerit not only removed themselves from this year's playoffs, but they may pull out of the league as well. And so you're going to see this league with, at one time it had five, six, seven uh, international teams in the league get down to two or three. And, you know, they pride themselves on trying to form a league that was, I wouldn't say really competitive with the NHL, but close in terms of paying their top players good money to stay, um, uh, the way they've professionalized their leagues. Uh, the entertainment product is much, much better than ever before. It's a real show. Every game is an event. So they've done a really good job on that, but that takes money to do all that. So it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of teams are going to consider a few more teams pulling out, and it's going to become eventually, it could become a domestic Russian league again with very little international content. And that matters to them, right, Dave? That's, there's a source of pride there, right, of, of being an international league. Yes, there is. I mean, they, uh, you know, they, you can watch KHL games now on ESPN Plus. So they're trying really hard to uh, promote their product worldwide. Uh, they have often, they play their all-star game in Dubai. Uh, they played their all-star game in Switzerland. They played the all-star game in Vienna. So they're doing, constantly doing things 
to extend and to stretch their league further. But that takes money. And as I said now, with the oligarchs and everything else starting to get a little bit of a hit in time, uh, one of their greatest financial um, concerns is the oligarchs, um, you know, supporting them financially. Because basically they just own the teams, donate money. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they can maintain some of these programs. And I think they better not look at expansion. They better look at consolidation. That's their real concern now. Dave, we've heard it suggested that Russian players' families could be in danger if they speak out against Russian President Vladimir Putin. Um, Dan Milstein, the agent that represents a number of Russian players, has suggested extra security for for the players. Um, and then we have others. I, I know you know who Slava Malamud is. Uh, he was a, a hockey journalist, and now he's in the States. Suggests that that risk is overblown. He has been a vocal critic of Putin. He has family there, and he's not concerned. Where do, where do you stand on all that? What's your take? Oh, I think a Russian athlete, hockey player, should be careful as to what they say. Um, you know, Putin and uh, the Rottenberg brothers, Timchenko, they're all very close to the KHL. I mean, the Rottenbergs and Timchenko are all on the board of directors of the KHL. And they're inside, they're on, they're in, uh, within Putin's top 10 uh, colleagues, are, are three or four of them are in the hockey league, directors. So I think you've got to be careful if you're a hockey player to what you say, because um, I don't think they'll punish your family, those kind of things. But when you go back, if you decide you're going to go back, they can make things difficult for you. I don't, you know, I think you just obviously a lot of Russian players are going to choose not to answer the questions. They're going to no comment type of thing. And I can see why they would do that because you just never know. I mean, you know, now we're all suspicious of Russia more than ever before and uh, as I said, so many of the top people in the KHL are in Putin's inner circle. That's amazing. I wanted to wanted to follow up on that. Alex Ovechkin clearly is the highest profile player. He openly campaigned for Putin. Um, there's there's been a lot of discussion about whether he needed to answer. Um, and he is a guy that goes back to Russia as well. What about uh, Ovechkin in particular? What what do you think about that situation? Well, it takes a very strong man to make statements, uh, bold statements about uh, the situation. And Ovechkin is that man. He's a guy who uh, um, is a confident fellow. Um, he, the way he plays the game, he plays every game like it's really important to him. And he, he doesn't take nights off. So uh, he's a strong guy with a strong personality. Um, the fact that he's leading, saying a few things, takes a little heat off the other players a little bit to maybe possibly speak out, but they're going to have to choose their words correctly. And uh, as I said, with so many people in the KHL executive uh, being in Putin's inner circle, uh, those things, you know, they'll come to light. So you better be careful. You know, we mentioned North American players being over there, and there's quite a few that even Coyotes fans are familiar with, Jason Demers being one of them. Do you think mm -hmm. there's any challenge for those players to get home if they wanted to? Um, and I know it's a very nuanced situation, but I was wondering if you were there and this was going on, what, like what mm -hmm. you would do. That's a great question. Well, to speak about the players that are there right now, they have to be wondering if they wanted to leave, how do I get out? And that's the, that's the challenge logistically. I mean, uh, there's no, I, don't, I believe there's no foreign airlines going in or out of Russia right now. In the country, you can take their, you know, uh, S7 or their uh, uh, 
Aeroflot flights, I guess, to Moscow, you'd have to then take a train to the Finnish border. I don't know if you walk across the border or if they'll let the train go across the border. I don't know. But getting out logistically now is not going to be easy. And it may get worse. So I, that's why some of the uh, North American players have already left because they're concerned about uh, how things will be in a month or two months time getting out. And, and you just never know. Um, if I was there, I know my wife would say, and she always comes with me, Linda would say, we're getting out of here. Um, <laughs> yeah. And likely that's, what, that's likely what you'd do because um, as I said, two or three months down the road, it might be, it's not going to be impossible, but it's logistically going to be very demanding and very difficult to get out. They'll let you out. They're not going to keep you there, but uh, the whole thing would be a, it'll be a real excursion for you. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how long this takes and how long this affects hockey. Like you're talking about, I know Craig had talked about, you know, world juniors and, and those other tournaments, mm -hmm. IAHF tournaments and how, how will Russia be affected in those tournaments? And will that affect be enough to, to sway any kind of political maneuvers because how, you know, regarded they have hockey in their communities. But do, do you think this affects anything that the, that the Russian team won't be at the IHF under 18s or world juniors? Is that a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, it's, uh, if that happens in every sport in art and in all the uh, other things like that, um, I think yeah, it does, uh, it does, give a strong impression that the rest of the world is going to shut them out. And uh, so I don't think it's, it's a deal breaker, but it does create the atmosphere you want to create there is that they're going to be isolated and uh, not being in the under 18, under 20 world championships, all those kind of things is going to affect uh, a lot of people in Russia because hockey, soccer, basketball, those are all sports where they play professionally. And uh, you know, they Russians have very good athletes, and uh, so it's going to affect a lot of things over there. I think the one thing that's very interesting is the fact that uh, it'll be interesting to see what Russian hockey players do. Looking ahead, players that are there that have been drafted that maybe have NX NHL uh, opportunity, are they going to get those opportunities? And I would think a lot of them, because of the finances within their country, would like to leave and come to the NHL now because that's where the money is going to be uh, definitely much different and the quality of life probably much, much better for them as well. So it may increase the influx of Russian players to our league and to other leagues in Europe, possibly. Yeah, I was just going to ask um, about the KHL players that NHL teams have drafted. If it's possible, we could see more make their way to the NHL, but you kind of just <laughs> answered that one. So, Well, we will, for sure. I think we'll see yeah. more guys that uh, where they might have uh, spent another season or two in the uh, KHL, I think now they'll make a decision to try to leave. And and one other thing before we let Dave King go, and I hope he's got his run in already. He probably has. Yep. <laughs> For those that don't know Dave King, like Dave King thinks hockey all the time. Like he's, he's an outside the box. He's learning. Even at his age, he's continuing to learn the game. Um, it's impressive the way his mind works. I'm lucky to have worked with him, but if you want insight and how that mind works, Dave King, not only international coach, also an author. So Dave King has mm -hmm. two books. One of them mm -hmm. is called the King of Russia, a year in the Russian super league. If you want to see what it's really like to be inside the KHL and be inside mm -hmm. Russia, look it up it's an amazon and he's got a new book out loose pucks and ice bags the how and why the game is changing 
by day. An author of two books, best-selling author, phenomenal. They're both available on Amazon. So if you want to yes, see a little bit more of how Dave King's yeah. work, mine works. Steve, they are available on Amazon. And uh, The King of Russia, I wrote uh, back in 2006 or 2007, I guess, after coaching, after Magnitogorsk. Uh, and I was, I talk a lot about the life there at that time. And as I said to you, very Spartan, but very, very interesting. I was the first North American coach to have a chance to coach in Russia. Uh, the title's interesting, King of Russia. Um, that's what they wanted to call the book. But there's a new King of Russia. His name is Vladimir Putin. So I've been, <laughs> I've been removed being the King of Russia. Uh, the other book, Loose Pucks and Ice Bags. Um, I do talk a lot about the effect of, of Russian hockey on the evolution of the NHL because um, we had major competitions where, uh, you know, the Russians and the NHL teams met head on uh, world championships, Olympic games. So I talk a lot about how our two games have moved closer together. It's interesting. Hockey's coming together. We're playing a much more hybrid game, both countries. Uh, at, at one time we were on divergent paths. Now we're on a convergent path in terms of how we play Yet politically, we're going divergently. You know, we're going the other way again. So it's really interesting. Hockey's coming together, but politically, it's going the other way. It's a wider split. And uh, this is going back now to the days of the uh, before the Iron Curtain. We've never had this happen to our, our world before, other than back in the days of the Second World War. So we're really into some very interesting times. And uh, I, I think the hockey is going to really change because of it. And it's going to be interesting for them. And uh, for the average citizen, it's going to be interesting if this goes another three, four, five, six months longer, where this is all going to unravel. On that note, Dave, uh, I know that this is a, a very personal thing for you because you were on the ground. Yeah. You were in Yaroslavl after the tragedy. You saw how it impacted that community. Yeah. You have close ties. Yeah. What does this mean to you personally to to see what's happening right now? Not not just you know in the hockey world, but but to the Russian people, because I know, again, you, you have a, a, a close relationship to that nation. Yeah, I have, you know, I've, I've, I've seen one fact, and that is there's lots of terrific, wonderful people in Russia. They're just like us. Um, there's a group at the top that's very unique and very different. But uh, I've just met so many good Russian hockey people. I've met so many just Russian citizens in my time over there, two and a half years there, that, uh, you know, it makes it worries because they, I thought they were making progress. The, the life of an average person was getting better. And that looked like there was a, there was the evolution of a middle class starting to happen. And uh, it looked to me like Russia was making some progress. And now I think it's going to go the other way. And I think it's, uh, mm. you know, I always felt when I was Russia, I never felt uncomfortable. I never felt like, you know, they were the enemy. Uh, we're kind of brought up sometimes that, you know, the communists, I guess, in the old days are our, our biggest enemy. Um, I never thought that. now with this happening, uh, you can see that the uh, politically we're at some real crossroads, but there's a lot of people in Russia, lots of people that are very concerned and I'm sure very disappointed at what is happening. Uh, just like we are, there's a lot of people in that country disappointed that this thing is going in the direction it's going. Dave, we cannot thank you enough for your insights on this topic. And it's just great talking to you anyway. You're just a wealth of knowledge. So thank you so much for joining the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, have a great day. And uh, go Coyotes, go. <laughs> thank you. We appreciate thank it. Thank you, Kinger. We might have to get you to wear the uh, the fur hat like Biz does on TNT. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow I don't see it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks again to Dave King for coming on the show really interesting conversation. 
Yeah, you know, he was the pioneer of the North Americans going over to Russia. Like he was the first, the first coach, the first player. Like he, he's the guy that paved the way. Um, so if not for some of the things he did, they might not have that many North Americans playing over there right now. So very interesting there. Yeah, and I think he's got such a deep understanding of the culture and the people as well. That 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 story uh, of of being in Yaroslavl shortly after the the plane crash and the tragedy uh, just really deepened his understanding and appreciation for everything going on over there, not just in the hockey community, but in in culture. So fantastic insights from Dave. Absolutely. And it's cool that Dave was the first North American and Barry was the second. So we'll get to Barry in just a minute. But before we do, I just want to remind everyone to sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. If you haven't already, um, you sign up using the promo code PHNX. And this week, if you bet a dollar on UFC 272, no matter what happens, you will get $100 in free bets. If there's a first round knockout, you get paid. If there's a majority draw, you get paid. If there's a double knockout resulting in no contest, you get paid. So if you haven't signed up yet for the DraftKings Sportsbook app, this is the weekend to do it because no strings attached to you betting $1 on UFC 272. You will get $100 in free bets no matter what. So be sure to take up that offer this week at DraftKings when you sign up using that promo code PHNX. That's 21 and over. Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. All right, let's send it over to Barry Smith. Continuing this fascinating topic, uh, we are very happy to welcome in Barry Smith, who has more than three decades of NHL experience as a scout, coach, and executive with the Sabres, Penguins, Red Wings, Blackhawks, and of course, the Arizona Coyotes. Um, He also has more than a decade of international experience, including three seasons as the coach and GM of SKA St. Petersburg, um, giving him a deep understanding of the league and hockey in Russia. Barry, with with the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine, we wanted to talk about several topics here, but let's start with this. Um, The ruble dropped to a record low of less than one cent per American dollar on Wednesday. It's lost 30% of its value against the dollar since the start of the year. What sort of impact is this going to have on the teams over there, the players over there, and more specifically, foreign players in the KHL? Well, the same situation, Craig, happened to me my second year. Uh, The ruble devalued. I I don't know exactly how much, but um, we had quite a few foreign players and even some Russian players, as in, you know, uh, those who had played in the the, uh, NHL who had U.S. dollar contracts. So what happened, Craig, was their U.S. dollar was equivalented to the ruble. And when the ruble went down, your dollar amount went down. So they lost drastic amounts. Uh, this is in the second half of the season. And there was no recouping it unless you renegotiated your contract the next year. So it was a tough time because it's the first time it hit these guys. And it, it definitely affected their overall pay and also bonus situation, which came came due towards the end of the season. So that's that's one thing that can affect any player who's over there based upon being paid in a U.S. dollar equivalent of the ruble. You mentioned, uh, you know, it's hard to recoup that unless you renegotiate. Uh, do, do players have any recourse over there if if this situation occurs or if they're not getting paid? What do they do? Well, let's hope you have a strong agent that uh, has a good relationship with the ownership because there is no 
there is no go to a lawyer and let's take them to court. Uh, you don't have that ability. You don't have the ability to sue somebody. So you're, especially as a, uh, a foreign player, you're, you're at the mercy of having an ownership that says, listen, we'll pay you what you want. If you don't like it, you want to get home or not, you know? So it's, it's a scary situation. Barry, when you went over there, has the environment, I know with the recent invasion and what's going on in the world today, but was the landscape different when you went? Because you were one of the early coaches to go over to to the Russian, to KHL. Has that landscape changed prior to this? Like you see it very common now to see North American players heading over there to play. Was it a different atmosphere when you went over the first time? Yeah, I'd say that I... I was the second North American. George um, King was Kinger was Dave King was the first one, and he went to Magnitogorsk, and I came into uh, Ska St. Petersburg through the um, assistance of a couple of the players I had in Detroit who wanted to bring in a North American mentality to the Russian hockey, and also to bring a North American management into the actual team organization. In fact. They tried to have Bowman come with me uh, to sort of set up a North American model in St. Petersburg because they felt that the Russian model was not efficient enough or doing a good job with the Russian players because it was so corrupt. So Scotty said no. I said yes. And, um, yeah, it was very different because there was not a lot of foreign players at that time. There may have been some Finns. Uh, who who definitely play all over. Czechs, they play all over the world, as you know. Um, maybe a few Slovaks there may have been. Uh, one or two Swedes, possibly, and, and very few North Americans. So, yes, it was a different uh, clientele than what you have today. But, Barry, when you talk about that, was there a sense of, was there ever a sense of danger? And, and I don't mean to the, you know, the the political climate that we're talking about today. I mean just for your own personal safety, did you ever have like you were in a strange land, not everybody spoke your language. Did you ever feel like you were in danger or was it a dangerous place to be? Give us kind of what that felt like for you. Um, what you made sure you never did is if you were on a, a subway or a bus or any kind of public transportation, you didn't speak English. You know, why would you broadcast yourself of being a foreigner? And then as you know, in every country, there's certain places that, it's a, it's a sort of a, a rough crowd, and that is going to any casino, you know, going to a strip joint or whatever else, which may have a, put yourself in real um, harm's way. So we are always very protected in the sense of not displaying that we were uh, Americans or U.S. or, you know, if people ask me, I just said I was Canadian because that way there's no politics. So we never got into politics purposely because there's no, there's no chance to win a conversation. Why broadcast your, your, your philosophy? So putting, if I answer your question, Petey, not really in the streets, you're careful in some places you go because you know, there's pickpockets and you can lose a lot of, and watching, don't use an ATM because they steal the numbers off. There was quite a few things you, you learned right on that you tried to stay away from. Well, you talked about ATMs, Barry. I don't know if they're working right now. So uh, what I you... just call it, yes, they are. They are. Oh, they are? Yep. Okay. Because I, when I talked to Craig yesterday, I thought they may not have been, but yes, they are. So you talked about fe- feeling slightly in danger when you were there. 
years ago and now this situation is going on which is probably increasing that feeling and you know there's a ton of North American players over there we talk to Dave King like Jason Demers is over there for example Mm -hmm. Um, someone Coyotes fans would know as a North America in Russia during this time first of all how would you see them trying to leave like do you think that it's going to be kind of a mass exodus of the international players and if you were still coaching there what would you do in this situation? That's a good question. Um, I, I think the first thought you have is a differential of players who do not have a family there and those who do. Um, that's definitely a dividing a dividing line for you. I mean, I can handle myself, but I wouldn't want to put my family through a situation, sit in an apartment waiting for me to come home or whatever is going to happen. Secondly, I think you're a little concerned about the exits from Russia at the moment. You know, where can you fly to? You know, where can you fly to get out of? You know, where are you in, in relationship to Russia? Don't forget, a lot of these guys playing over there, they're in Timbuktu. I mean, you're in Siberia. You're in some locations that you have to get into Moscow to get a flight out. Um, you know, St. Petersburg, we could take a train to Helsinki, which was nice. But, you know, what is your transportation out right now? How many opportunities do you have to get a flight out if you do want to get out? And then secondly... If you do leave, what are you leaving on the table financially? Because you're not going to get paid when you leave. There's no question about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and for you personally, Barry, if you're in this situation, is this a, a case where your wife's on the phone saying, hey, buddy, time to get home? Or or does she understand the, the way the world works and, and you'd finish it out, get through your playoffs and go from there? I don't know, PD, because even the Russians right now, when I spoke to them this morning, um, they don't know what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. they don't know how far this is going to go or, or what the next step is going to be or you know, is Putin going to go to a, take a look at another country to possibly slide into? You know, they, they don't know. So yeah, that's, and that's the that's biggest tough. question is the unknown. And, yeah. and you talk about travel today. What's travel going to be like next month, two months, three months from now? Maybe it's even more difficult. You're right. 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 Dave, so give us- you have you have a couple thoughts. Is it my money I'm worried about or is it my personal safety? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, give us a sense. We, we talked about this yesterday. Give us a sense of just basically how business is run in the KHL, whether it's Funding for the teams, contracts, getting paid, getting equipment. You and I talked about this with, with supply chains impacted. How does all that work in the KHL? Because I, you, you outlined some significant differences from how things work over here. Um, you, there's nothing similar to the to the NHL. There's nothing similar when it comes to contracts, agents, corruption between the GM and agents. Um, I mean, I, I don't even know how to explain that to you, but. The contract you have could be ripped up at any time. Unless, of course, you have an amazing agent who has some strength with the club and, and you might know personally that's going to stand up for you. So you're really at the, the whim of what's going to happen. I mean, you know stories of players who never get paid. You've heard stories of they had to leave, you know, because they're worried about their safety as they've been threatened. Um, it's, it's not a very... Uh, validated contract that you have. You're always concerned about it because it could change at any time. And then what are you going to say? We're going to rip this up and give you another one half pay. What do you say? Or you get nothing. Okay, I'll take half pay. You're not happy about it, but you got to play as perform as best you can. So it's it's not an easy situation that way. Um, I do congratulate some of the players who don't get paid for months and still are able to, you know, turn the wheel and keep playing. That's not an easy situation, especially when you're sending money back probably every two weeks if you can, or at least every month. And then lastly, 
you know, there's problems with getting money out of Russia sometimes. Um, how are you going to do it? Is it illegal cash that you have? Is it under the table cash? I mean, you're paying, I believe, when I was there, it was 13% tax on all monies. And then when I came back to the States, because I'm U.S., I had to pay the difference between my tax bracket and the 13% that I got from Russia. So I, I still had to pay tax here when I got back. Because I reported, I just didn't want to screw around with, uh, you know, money under the table. Yeah. You mentioned the supply chain being interrupted here, too. And you would expect that sort of thing with with so many countries levying sanctions against Russia. But players are very particular about their equipment, their sticks, et cetera. How's that being impacted now? Well, you know, CCM has already taken uh, here on this side of the ocean. And the Russian sticks, I think the only sticks they make over there are the wood sticks for the kids. So they don't really make any equipment. They have to import everything. And usually your main import was either through Czech or through Finland or Sweden, wherever it's going to come from, you know, Germany, whichever one would have CCM, Bauer, you know, how the players were for their sticks. Or you're going to have your own trainer back at the team you played for send your old sticks to you, you know, which now you have no way of sending it because I believe there's nothing for uh, transportation to and from the States. Is that correct? Or Canada, North America? I think everything's canceled. So obviously you get nothing sent to you. You know, the KHL, it's an international league. There are teams in Finland and China and Latvia, and we've seen a lot of those teams already pull out. And you can imagine that it's probably going to continue that way. What is the impact on the future of the KHL and the future of it being an international league in general? What do you think is going to happen to the KHL as a whole with this situation going on? Um, I think they're going to be in trouble. Um, I think you'll have some more teams that are going to go under. Uh, Gazprom probably props up probably four or five teams. They pay for at least that many teams in the KHL. You have Gaznet, you have Rosnet, you have quite a few different large corporations. If you're in Chelyabinsk, you have steel. If you're Magnitogorsk, you have a large steel factory. If you're in different places, they make different things, you know, um, and those are the ones that bankroll your team because the business model for hockey is not the same as the NHL where you get money back trying to break even or not lose as much as you know you put in. They lose every year. So it's like having a budget. Okay, here's your budget of how many million you spend it, and then we'll replenish the budget again next year. Especially if you do good, we might give you more. So economically, I can see where quite a few teams are definitely going to be hurt. Now, Oil and gas is over 60% of their, you know, G, G, the gross gross uh, financial in, influx. So they're selling gas right now because nobody has sanctioned it. They're making more money today than they made before the war started, ironically. So they're losing on the banking situation, but they're making still on, on gas and oil. I wanted to ask you, Barry, about players here. We've heard a lot of talk about the danger in speaking out against Vladimir Putin. There's been a lot of discussion here. Alex Ovechkin, of course, at the head of the pack, he openly campaigned for, for Vladimir Putin. Um, so I wanted to ask you, first of all, what you think about Alex Ovechkin's obligation. And secondly, is the risk real to players playing over here in North America if they do speak out against Vladimir Putin? Well, take a look what happened to Perrin with the Rangers. So, 
I don't think it's smart to speak out against Putin, whether you know you're Russian born or, or have family in Russia. I definitely don't think it's a smart idea. Um, Ovechkin is definitely a, a Putin advocate. You know, he's campaigned for him. You know, Putin takes care of him and he takes care of Putin by playing on every national team. So he's never missed a national team. As soon as Washington's out, he's on the next plane. So he might be different than some of your other Russian players. I saw this morning that Milstein, who's a, a, an agent for quite a few Russian players, has said that he's concerned about some of the harassment. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not going to a lot of NHL games. Are they, are they screaming at the players? Are they, you know, sending them? Realistically, you know, you're, you're born Russian, but you don't have to be painted with the same brush Putin is just because you were born there. And a lot of these guys, you know, they're not political at all because you have no political parties in Russia. Either you're with Putin or there's nothing else. Well, Barry, first I'm going to say thanks for coming on. I want to say this because I've had the opportunity to work with Barry Smith. He's another guy that thinks hockey and never stops learning and thinks outside the box and always says, Hey, what if, or what else can we do? Um, And it's, it's amazing to sit and talk hockey with Barry Smith. So in another time when we're not talking about political worldwide things going on, I'd love to have you back on and, and actually talk about the the fastest game on ice. So yeah, for sure. Petey. Yeah. Um, But just want to let you three know that, you know, I'm speaking to people on the ground over in Russia because they're friends of ours. And they are concerned because they don't know what the next step is going to be. And as you know, what they hear and what's real and what's not real is, is two different things. So, you know, there's an agenda there that's always behind Putin. And they're just uh, holding their breath right now, hoping it doesn't get worse because they're the ones paying the price. Well, our thoughts are with all, all of the, yep. the, you know, we're talking about the world of hockey, but it's not just the world of hockey that's affected by this clearly. And we pray for everyone over there and hope there's a, a quick. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope all the boys resolution. have a chance to get home too, and yeah. all the families safely. Barry, thanks again yeah. for okay, your time you guys. and yep. your thoughts. And well, well, we'll talk again soon. Yeah. We'll check in again. Thank you. Thanks, thanks Barry. Barry. We appreciate okay. it. Yep. Bye. Thanks again to Barry Smith for joining us. It was really also interesting that he, had just talked to people over there and we kind of got some insight from people who are living there right now. Yeah. I don't know the, I know this is a much bigger story than hockey, but that's what this show is. We're a hockey show. So we're going to talk about how this affects people in hockey. And I, I try to put myself in Jason Demers shoes or Barry Smith shoes. I'm working there and it, if not for the conflict there, this has progressed into, Hey, it's very similar to North American hockey. We turn and say that inside the room, it's pretty similar, but what do you do? Like, how, how do you really put yourself in? I'd be terrified uh, yeah. right now. And, and so hopefully everybody that wants to get out can get out safely and get back here to North American, you know, North American it's hockey aside. Let's hope everyone can be safe there. Yeah. Jason DeMares is going to stick it out. I was texting with him briefly and that, they even have to be careful about what they're saying via text message. Uh, they're worried that everything's being watched, but he's going to stick it out. They have a, a good team, a, a chance to make a deep playoff run. But I also talked to his parents and they're, they're very concerned uh, about that situation. So just best thoughts to Jason Amaris and his whole family right now. And everybody who's in that situation right now. And isn't Jason, when he gets back to North America, is he going to provide a diary <laughs> for PHNX? Of yeah. his experience either in the KHL or at the Olympics. 
Yeah. Yeah. I did reaffirm that promise from him. He said, it's all in my head, buddy. When I get back, you're going to get it. So uh, <laughs> I think there could be a, a few more entries to that journal as well, given the experience he's, he's dealing with right now. Yeah, I think that's going to be some must-read content. So if you want to have access to read all of that and more, become a member at gophnx.com. Sign up for a year membership. You can get a free shirt when you do. If you want to try it out, you can do month-to-month, the first month, just 50 cents. So be sure to check out gophnx.com. And members get weekly deals on merchandise at the PHNX Locker, access to the members-only Discord. So a lot of great perks to becoming a member, joining the family. Um, obviously, Craig has a ton of stuff up all the time, but not just Craig, a lot of great stuff. The Cardinals crew is in the Indianapolis for the Combine this week. So lots of great content always at gophnx.com. All right. Um, I think that's it for this one. Really interesting. I learned so much. And also, I just want to acknowledge like this was a very Russia focused, but we're obviously, you know, thinking of the people of Ukraine and what they're going through. And this was, you know, PD had said the the hockey angle for Russia and how it's affecting them. But obviously, our thoughts are with the people of Ukraine as well. So we'll keep them in mind um, going forward and as this goes on. Um we will be back tomorrow for our post-game show after the Coyotes Senators game. Yeah, matinee. So, mat- another matinee. And the and last of this homestand, which has <laughs> felt like it's lasted a half a year. It really has. <laughs> it really has. So be sure to uh, subscribe to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Subscribe to PHNX Coyotes wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, leave a review. It's all very helpful. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at PHNX underscore Coyotes. So we can hit that 3,000 follower mark. We're going for it. Um, tons of stuff up on there. Yeah, easy that turbo. When you get to 3,000? Easy turbo. <laughs> cool your jets. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this one. This was, to me, one of the, our fa- my favorite episodes we've done. It was just super, super interesting. So I hope you all enjoy it as well. And we will see everyone again tomorrow. Have a great Friday, everyone.